From Baltimore, Maryland, this is The Stoop Sessions, a One Hope podcast. Join us for conversations about ministry on The Stoop. Learn more about our work at www.onehope.gives. Well, welcome back uh, to The Stoop Sessions. How you guys doing? I'm doing well. I'm well. Should we introduce ourselves? I mean, if yeah. you listen to the first episode, oh, you we'll, know. We'll, we'll do it. All right. Cool. I'm Eric Hill. <laughs> And I'm Stephanie Greer. And I'm Joel Kurz. It's really good to practice my name, actually, audibly. You know, when you get married just during COVID, yeah. you forget how to say your name. Greer is easier to say than hyphenated. It's not hyphenated, but it's my middle name, and okay. I drop it every chance I get, just <laughs> in case you forgot. I sort of miss, though... LaFerrier. Yeah, oh, I man. miss that dialogue. I mean, I like Kevin. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm glad man. that you're married. I'm happy. But LaFerrier was a it was a fun name to yeah, say. Yeah, it was my intro icebreaker for every conversation I've ever had. And now they're just like, "Hi, Miss Greer," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's me." Wait, you didn't ask me how to spell my last name. Yeah. You know, so you lose some things, but what I've gained is is. <laughs> It's far better. Right. So we're doing a little series here on the gospel. Uh, in our previous episode, we talked about the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul references in Galatians 1 to not turn to different gospels. In our world today, there are clear different gospels that are out there. Mm-hmm. I think of different religions. Each of them have a gospel that they are proclaiming in some fashion or another. Or variations of Christianity that uh, that introduce a different gospel that really make it no longer Christianity. I think of like the prosperity gospel and other forms of, of that. Uh, but what I'm interested in over the next couple of weeks here as we uh, talk about the gospel are the more subtle false gospels. Yeah. yeah. Those, uh, the, the subtle false gospels that uh, we regularly encounter in the 21217 right here in our neighborhood. Yeah. So I think it, it'll be like good the to talk. non-churchy gospels, right? Or, or what they think is the good news, and uh, it's good to look at every context and try to figure that out, so you might be able to serve and, and evangelize better. Yeah. So for us, I feel like one of the ones that we um, get a lot is, you know, I'm gonna come to Jesus, but I, I gotta get myself together first. I gotta the, get myself. I gotta get to myself get, together. Yeah. Gospel. I gotta get myself together first, and then I, you know, um, then I'll be there. You know, I, I remember talking to a gentleman. And uh, I'd invite him to our service, and he'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm coming out in a couple months. And I said, you know, is it clothes, or is it something that you feel like you're not comfortable with? And he's like, ah, well, yeah, clothes. And I'm like, oh, no, you really literally can just come in your joggers. Like, it's it's fine. He said, oh, no, I I got to get myself together first. Just got to figure a couple things out, and then I'll I'll be there. And I was like, what? What? What, what, what do more do you together? need to figure out before yeah. uh, the all-knowing uh, yeah. can, can, can see you in a worship service? So I think one, one thing that's helpful as we think about what are the false gospels in our community is to really look at what people say and break it down into that gospel narrative of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. What is the story of creation that they're embracing? What is the, the fall in their minds, where does where is redemption found, and what does ultimate restoration look like? So, as we think of, I got to get myself together. What is the gospel narrative then that drives that false gospel? Yeah, um, I and I, I think um, you know when people say that, they can come off as, as sort of being you know like pious in That's some right. sense, because in one sense you're thinking like, well, man, you know I have. This disrespect for God, I don't want to just come like you know yeah, any yeah. kind of the way. The reverence, yeah. So yeah, it seems it seems like they can be a, you know a little pious, but I think they're deceiving 
themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. And I think it begins with the creation story, uh, belief that God created humans morally neutral and uh, that the fall is simply a matter of bad choices that we have made in our life or due to our environment. And so then redemption is what? Redemption would be, well, I just got to make better choices. And while that might be true in a lot of other constructs, it is not true in this particular thing. The only better choice you can ever make is to repent. Exactly. Yeah. But for them, ultimate restoration would simply be living a better life. It would be um, getting myself together so that I can be uh, freed from alcohol addiction, so that I can be freed from money problems. Um, And again, that that is making um, the gospel... I guess, conform to your particular standard. So this is a standard of life I'm living in. This is a standard that I'm considering would be a little bit better. Exactly. And let me get myself together so I can reach that standard in my head. And once I've reached that, because of all the goals in that standard, you know, get an education, um, get a better job, marry the right person. Oh, well, I've done, I've done all right for myself. Exactly. And now I'm, I'm together, where that is just such a deception. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To That's base right. these things on our circumstances. Matthew 23, this issue of do I clean up the outside or do I clean up the inside? And Jesus says, you know, stop trying to focus on the outside of the cup. Yeah. Uh, it's the inside that needs to be cleaned. Um, and he, he then says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. The inside is cleaned up through Christ. Yeah. So I think sometimes... It's, it's just simply an excuse. I got to get myself together. It's not like an actual pious statement of like, I'm going to do this, but rather it's just an excuse to not follow Jesus. And uh, I don't think Jesus does well with our excuses. He doesn't. And he <laughs> sees them. He sees straight through those excuses. Whereas uh, we as humans are like, oh, that sounds well-meaning. Jesus is like, listen, have you counted the cost mm. Of discipleship. He's been clear. He was clear, right? He says, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Are you ready to follow me? And in following me, there's going to be a cost. Yeah, yeah. And so I just, I mean, personally for me, I'm like, ah, oh, he does, uh, Christ is clear. Uh, this will cost you everything. Are you coming? Yeah, and in that same passage, Luke, Luke chapter 9, uh, Jesus is dealing with folks who say, well, but first I must bury my father. Uh, but but first, I've got to tell my family goodbye, you know. There's these pious sort yeah. of statements that sound good, but Jesus sees right through these uh, seemingly pious statements and says, no, you're just making excuses. Yeah. There's no but first yeah. when it comes to the gospel call of following Jesus. And people, like, we don't like to give up our comforts. It's going to be, like, hard following Christ and... Yeah. That means you might you have to give up your life of comfort. Yeah. Give up your gods. Yep. Give up your idols. And yeah. be okay being exposed past your own particular standard and revelation of that. When you come and when you encounter the word of God, you are seen. And it is very clear uh, that Christ commands for us to give him, um, give him our all. And he will. He will. He will pursue us to that end. What are, what are some of the ex- common excuses that we might have? We have so much going on. 
Yeah, it's in those subtleties. Weddings, funerals, sports, yeah. celebrations, work, work um, or, high school graduations. Yeah, or um, in our contact sometimes, uh, there's a lot of crisis. So there's yeah. so much crisis. I can't think about the Lord right now. I've got so much going on. I can't yeah. think about my stance before Jesus. I've got so much going on. I've got so much going on. As if God can't work in and through that, you yeah. know, and maybe he won't work in a way that I would want or even know. Um, but that is, that's what happens. I think that's one of the excuses. I've got so much going on. I can't think about this right now. Yeah. Yeah. You remember the story of, uh, what was that? Martha and, um, and Mary. What was that Martha and Mary? Yeah. I might, I'm acting like I'm casual about it, but I, I live there. I live at the intersection of that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Go uh, ahead. I was, no, I was just thinking about that when, when Joel mentioned, uh, you know, just people just being busy and not, you know, you can have Christ like right there. And totally like miss them because you're so busy doing other things. And those things are, you know, not necessarily like bad things, like you said, but those things can kind of uh, crowd out, you know, Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so. yeah um, Bonhoeffer in his book, Cost of Discipleship, says, um, grace is costly because it calls us to follow. And it's grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. And it's costly because it costs a man his life. Mm. And it's grace because it gives a man the only true life. Mm. You know, and he goes on to say, it's costly because it condemns sin. And it's grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it cost God the life of his son. And so when we think about being bought as, at, at a price, when we think about the realities of what Christ did for us, the other things, while looking seemingly justifiable, aren't justifiable. They are excuses. And I, yeah. I do think yeah. uh, we have to recognize that no amount of any human situation uh, bears us the opportunity to say, I can't, I can't think about the gospel right now. I've got too much going on. What, yeah. what do you have going on? Yeah. Is Jesus not worth it all? Yeah, and and maybe that's exactly how we confront this false gospel is exposing it and saying, yeah. you know, is Jesus not worth it? Right. Can, why can't you come now? Yeah. Uh, what, what's what's preventing you from coming to Christ? Yeah. Come as you are. Yeah. yeah. I think um, you know, like once you peel back the layers of people who believe that they have to get their self together, it's really just like a, a works based mentality. Mm-hmm. Like they think that they can really earn God's favor. Yeah. And so I guess getting yourself together would be, you know, living up to the standard that God has, you know. Right, right. Um, and and just, you just will never reach that standard. Yeah, yeah, think about the amount of shame, though. I mean, we, we carry shame because of yeah. um, disobeying Christ. But think about the amount of shame and guilt one feels if they earnestly right. are trying to works like pursue their salvation by works how are you going to make it out here you know you fail there's no way (laughs) you either have a distorted view of how great you are or you recognize how miserable and vile and unclean you are and that leaves you utterly hopeless and so i think the hymn right come ye sinners that's right poor and needy recognizing that you're poor and needy is okay and so again 
maybe not just an excuse, but something that happens with I got to get myself together crowd is have you not recognized your state? And is that going to drive you to think that you're the one who can save yourself? Because right. how have you been exactly. saving yourself or other individuals? How's that going so for you? Yeah. It's, right? <laughs> right. Or how's it going for? Yeah. yeah. How has that gone for yeah. you? And so you've been trying to get yourself together for, for your whole life. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, come to That's me, right. all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Yeah. And the next line in that hymn says, and if you tarry until you you're better, right. you will never come at all. We're about to break out in some. You will never come we at all. You just need a djembe look. <laughs> like if you wait to get yourself together, you'll find yourself in hell before right. you get yourself together. Because you exactly. can't. So I think that the people need to realize their inability. Yeah, stop you making excuses. You stop. can't yeah. do everything. And, and here, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt as well. Let's assume that this person believes that they actually have to, um, you know, be a certain kind of holy in order to come to church or in order to hear the gospel, in order to give their life to Jesus. Yeah. They have to, you know, put this thing off and change their behavior. Um, Let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they really believe that they need to get themselves together. We also, as Christians, as churches, have to confess that we ourselves haven't always done a great job in communicating that the That's church true. is for those who are poor and needy, weak and wounded. Yeah. That's but true. that sometimes we put off the vibe that the church is for people who have themselves That's a together, good word. Exactly. who dress the right way, yeah. who look the right way. They've got nice little cute kids that all obey and they're quiet. They got bows yeah. in their hair and they're, they've got nice manners. I think that's a good... a, a, good, a good word. Yeah, man. it's a good word because we do have to look at ways that we can hinder people's coming to the gospel by our traditions and, and by our expectations. customs. Yep. Expectations. We've got to confront these things. And so it's a good point for those who really do feel weary in the race. Um, I, you know, as you share that, I think of a particular lady and a gentleman that um, were coming to church and um, they didn't come because of clothes. They actually thought, oh, I'll just be judged because, you know, I'm not wearing a suit. And if you've ever been to the garden, you know, that is not a prerequisite <laughs> at all. But even seeing and people that lived in their community and even us being all together, that was still a barrier for them because of what they had seen Christianity to be. So mm -hmm. we really can be a barrier sometimes. You know... I, I I I swear I. <laughs> did you put it on the moon? Did. Look, it, I mean. No, your moon's not touched. Oh, your air. You gotta moon it. Mm. You gotta moon it. That's a word. Um, were you saying anything in particular right no, there? No. It was good what you were it. saying. Uh, I was just thinking of like two different instances where people, um, where we, where Christian culture can oh. sometimes. Our perception of Christian culture can sometimes crush the soul that is so weary. They don't feel like they can, they need to dress up before coming before yeah. God. So I, I think, um, and Joel, you're working on a piece coming out on how we associate with the lowly. But, and I, I say lowly in the sense that uh, something that we can do as church members is to really realize what barriers do I put up? Yeah. Um, towards people's perception of, of Christ. You, we've got to know. Do we always present a a per, um, a life of perfection? Yeah. Are we honest about yeah. our sin, our exhaustion, our need for humility? And so that yeah. is a, a place for us to grow to. There are excuses, but there's always something I can look at and say, how might I be hindering my neighbor? Francis Grimke, in that book that you gave me, Steph, he says that the homeless should be running to the church. The 
uh, orphans should be finding refuge in the church. Like the outcasts of society ought to feel like, man, if I can get through these doors, I'm in a place of safety mm. and acceptance and security. But Grimke goes on to lament. And again, this is 120 years ago, but he goes on to lament and say, you know, that's just not the case. The yeah. church uh, is not a place where the oppressed can come, Help us, Lord. where the weak and the wounded can come and find refuge. Uh, and I think that 120 years later, we're still dealing with that reality that, that as Christians, we tend to become Pharisees. We tend to, we, we tend to forget that, it, that we were the yeah. scum of the earth, yeah. that we were the worm, that we yeah. were the poor, the weak, the wounded. Yeah. Um, and we, we start to believe that it's actually through cleaning the outside of the cup yeah. right. where we find hope. God help us from being whitewashed. That's why it's so important to, to preach the gospel We've, to yourself daily. It, exactly. You have to be reminded that like this goes you've hand been in forgiven. Hand. Yeah. You, you we cannot as a center. church uh, speak against false gospels if we forget the true gospel. That's right. Ourselves. Yeah. So I, I think of uh, just the story of uh, the dinner party and uh, I think that's the gospel of Luke, the parable, where... You know, Jesus says this man uh, through this great dinner party and he invited, you know, everyone to come. So I think the gospel says that, look, Jesus has already done the work. Everything is prepared. Your job is to come and you receive what he's done for you. You don't have to, you know, worry about getting yourself together, whatever that is for you, but just come. That's good. Yeah. And our response is, I will arise and go to, and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms. Amen. That makes a man happy, man. Yeah. Yeah. There's that just, there's, just there's not enough time in this yeah. life to get myself together. That's right. The more time uh, that I live, the more guilt I accumulate. That's right. Uh, I w- am just adding a, uh, guilt against myself uh, faced with the burden of sin. The time only- is against you. Yeah. Mm. yeah, the only the only invitation we have to is arise, to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Right. Mm. So we'll continue thinking through this in the next couple episodes. What are some of the false gospels in your community? That's the question we're asking, and uh, we want to use this also as an example for our listeners uh, to be thinking about the communities in which they live and in which they minister and to ask themselves, what are some of these subtle false gospels? What are some of the things that people believe? Um, What is that gospel narrative? And how can we, as a church, as Christians, as people speak against it? And speak the good news. Thanks for listening to The Stoop Sessions. Be sure to catch us next time. As One Hope exists to build healthy churches in the inner city, check us out and connect at www.onehope.gives.